Well, good day there. Welcome to Convergently Speaking. Today on the show, the Gottman Method and Criticism. Welcome back, everyone. G'day to you and g'day to Caitlin, who's here with us. Hello, hello. So today what we want to start to look into is some of the theories and the ideas for improving our relationships that come from John and Julie Gottman. John and Julie Gottman are really giants in the field of relationship work. It's, it's something like 40 years or, or maybe more at this point that they've been working together, researching, analyzing the data, and then developing practical and, and proactive tools for working with couples. Uh, John's the, the researcher of the couple and Julie's the practitioner, um, although I believe they are both trained in psychology. Anyway, probably the the foremost idea and theory that they're most well known for is what they've called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, right. It it sounds dramatic, but uh, it's a really, really useful tool that I use a lot with couples and I think a lot of lay people use it too. And I suppose that's why today we wanted to start this small series. Uh, We're going to go through all four horsemen, but I suppose I should explain why they call it the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, Through their research, what they discovered is that there's these four traits that are most prevalent in couples that end up not staying together. From using the analytical tools that John and Julie have created and developed through the actual research they've done with couples, they have a really a really high success rate in being able to predict which couples will remain together uh, versus which couples won't. And a lot of that focuses in on looking at these four horsemen and which ones are present in a relationship and how much they're present and, and so on and so forth. So we're going to do one podcast episode on each of these four horsemen because I think, really I think they're that important. And the first one we're going to look at is criticism. So for each of the horsemen, there is the the horseman itself, and then there's the antidote. So the first one we're doing is criticism. And criticism is pretty easy to understand. It just is as it sounds. It's verbally attacking your partner's personality or your partner's character. And I'm going to hand over to Caitlin because she's been more organized than me and put pen to paper. And so she's going to give us a bit of a deeper explanation as what criticism is all about. Yeah, so criticism is evident when I think especially you can see when people are using always or never statements. If you find yourself saying, oh, you always do this. You never clean up your towels off the floor. You never remember my birthday or something like that. Uh, First of all, It's probably not true. Surely there's an example of a time the person did that. And once you're in that zone of saying always or never, really what you're doing is is attacking their character. Like you said, you're not you're not actually addressing a specific behavior. Um, 
I think often this can come from, and I know I'm guilty of this, where, you know, life's going on, something happens, you have a negative feeling about it. Our natural thing is to, you know, look for an explanation. It's painful if the explanation is yourself. And so you, you can, it can just land on the closest person and often that's your partner. And so, you know, you quickly, I know my mind does this, you know, it's like, oh, I'm overwhelmed and stressed. Surely the explanation is because I have so many on my, so many things on my plate. And if only, you know, my partner would take some of these that's, things. That's me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if only you, Dan, would take some of them, um, then, you know, that would be the only solution to my problem. And so therefore you're the problem and I can attack you. And I'm not, I'm not very, I might do that more in my head. Sometimes it comes out. People can approach that differently. You know, some people are quick to attack and then other people like myself and it's not healthy will just sort of hold that in. Um, and so there can be this buildup of that mindset. And then eventually, of course, it does come out. And that's when you would see the criticism and, and it would be even even bigger, even more intense that way. And just to throw something in left field, this can also relate to self-criticism. So you, Caitlin, probably have a tendency at other times to attack your own personality mm. or character. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to say something about that, mm. but it, it doesn't have to be criticizing others. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's true. And we can get to this too. I was also thinking when I was looking at this, sometimes, yes, I feel criticized and I take something that you say or even do as a criticism of me that's not actually what it is you know if you start picking up things off the floor uh i immediately go oh, i should have done that and he's angry that i didn't you didn't pick that up and criticizing me for not doing it right but really you're helping me and that does come from that's my that's my internal mindset is the is the self criticism so that's helpful mm. i think that's helpful to realize and just that whole mindset of having a problem finding blame somewhere uh, is ultimately not a helpful a helpful mindset. Yeah, and I think it's the putting absolute blame. Mm, yes. Um, so when I was thinking of you with that comment, I was thinking of situations where you might feel overwhelmed mm. and uh, you've got jobs piling up and you, you're either not getting everything done or you're feeling like you're not doing it to the standard that you'd like. And then at times I know your go-to has been to... to have a go at your own character. Mm, yeah. Um, and we all have different ways that we we do this. Uh, I think I don't tend to do it like you do, but I think the way that you do it is a common way to mor- to then moralize it. I'm a bad person because I can't clean up my house or, mm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's another absolute. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So that whole that whole mindset is whether you're criticizing yourself or your partner, if you're looking for blame uh, in one thing, because ultimately the solution to the problem or the reason for the problem is never just one thing. Of course, there's there's many factors that are that are leading to that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And I think that when you go to the one thing, it's sort of like a full stop and it's not it's not a open frame and collaborative solution making uh, direction. 
You know, if you blame your partner, then you've solved the problem. The problem <laughs> is your partner and there's no more discussion to be had. And it's off of your plate. Like you don't have to then look at yourself. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's off of your plate. But I will add that, you know, there are times when a problem is your partner. But even just going, well, that's their problem uh, is still kind of a full stop as opposed to, okay, that's their problem. And, you know, when we're doing the the pure criticism of blaming the character or the personality, we're then moralizing as well. And we're saying, well, they're broken. Mm. They're wrong. We might even think, well, they're bad or they're mm. vindictive. Yeah. And where do you, and where do you go from there? There's no you can't go anywhere from there because that's just oh they're just like that they're never going to change. That's right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're vindictive, and that's how it is. And you know, sometimes our partners are vindictive, but I can tell you from all the couples I've worked with, ninety nine percent of the time they're not meaning to to cause pain to cause hurt. Mm. And so, um, rather saying. Yeah, okay, it's their fault, but why Why are they being like that? Why did they do that? Can sort of keep keep things open. I think that brings us, that can bring us to the, what um, the Gottmans say is the antidote to criticism. And I think as they explain it, if you're feeling the need to criticize, then what it's showing is that there's a need or a, or a desire that mm. is not being met and that's okay and one of the things I read that they had said you know sometimes we don't want to think that we need anybody but it's okay to need your partner and to ask for what you need from your partner and so I'll let you explain the the technicalities of it but that then brings us to what the antidote is for the criticism yeah I'll I'll get into the antidote but before I do I just wonder if you want to explain what you mean by an unmet need so what could be an example? Yes. yes. So say if the criticism is um, the criticism is something like, oh, you're always running late. You're, you're never on time to the things that we need to go to together. Maybe actually the need is or the, the feeling behind it is you're not valuing me, not valuing my time. You're putting other things in front of me. Yeah, feeling not valued. So you could pick on the behavior of being late and criticize them as you're bad for being late but really what you're what you're feeling is not thought of uh not valued yeah and maybe they just want to have more quality time with their partner and that's the way that this this need is is leaking out and mm -hmm. i say leaking out because they're not asking directly that's a beautiful segue into the antidote uh, so the gottmans call the antidote for criticism the gentle startup and to be honest, this isn't anything new. This is probably something you're familiar with. But that doesn't make it any less profound. So the gentle startup is, as it sounds, it's, it's going about things in a less abrasive way, so in a gentle way. And the way in which this can be done is to, rather than put the focus on the partner or the other person, because this can relate to any relationship, is to use I statements. So, for example, we're talking about the late situation. That's a, that's a really good example because, well, it's easy to explain, but it's also a common one. Mm. Instead of saying to the partner, look, you're always running late and doing it in a really angry, exacerbated way and doing it in a very 
almost like parental way where you're speaking down to the person, a gentle startup approach would be something such as when you run late, I feel disrespected. I feel like you're not valuing my time. And ultimately, I just feel sad because we don't get much time together and you know, we plan something to spend time together. Maybe we just have a li- only a little bit of time away from the kids. And then, uh, yes, I'm angry when you, you cut into that time, but it's, it's because I want to hang out with you. It's because I want to spend time. And so taking that real ownership and trying to get to the core, it's not easy to do. Uh, and you might not be able to do this in real time, uh, but to actually get to the core of the unmet need. Yeah, that's really good. And then and then there's somewhere to go from there because I think most most of us will have empathy and they don't want to be causing those feelings and you can then discuss discuss it from there, you know. And so and I think the other thing is then you can ask to have that need met in a specific way and say, you know, this is what I need from you. And you can also collaborate. You know, you could say, "Well, how can I help you run on time better? You know, what mm. what do you need to to do that so we can work together, kind of look at that problem objectively. Well, maybe we need to block off more time in these situations. Yeah, and what it stops is the partner moving straight into defensiveness, right? Uh, which is another one of the yes. four horsemen that we'll yeah. get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you use a gentle startup approach and you speak about yourself, then the person's less likely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can still feel attacked, yes. but they're less likely to mm. feel attacked. Mm-hmm. And and if they are feeling attacked, it's probably even more about their own stuff mm. or possibly it's about the fact that the other 99 times you brought up this issue, you were attacking them. And, mm. and this is something to just name as well because as you learn these systems and these tools... Uh, our old wiring still likes to kick into gear and it might be set in the right way, but the brain just quickly goes to the old reactive interpretation of what's being said. Yeah, for sure. It can take some time. You need to be on the same page of of using these tools together. So they say, you know, rather than criticism, bring it as a complaint. So if you have a complaint and you want to use the gentle startup, don't do that in the middle of when you're both already angry about something mm. and then kind of go, oh, suddenly, you know, go, oh, I'm going to try to be gentle now. You're both going to be too activated to to hear each other. But choose that maybe last night they were late. And, you know, you can first work through your own feelings, process what it was that was happening, because that's important, too. That's one of the things Gottman says is before you approach your partner, you you need to process first. You ask yourself two questions. What emotions do I feel? And what do I need from my partner in this situation? So you need to have sort of processed it and know what those two things are before you bring it to your partner. So that timing's important and also to be on the same page. So you can even say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you a complaint now. Maybe I'll be awkward about it because we know this is new. You know, if you're on the same page, you can hopefully give each other quite a big buffer. Yeah, so that's, that's really the, that's a, Pretty good explanation of that horseman and the antidote. Um, there was one quote that I came across by Dr. John Gottman that I liked that you know, wraps this all up pretty well. He says, people don't usually think about what they need or what will remedy the situation. They think negatively about what their partner should stop doing to ease their own irritation or disappointment. But the positive need is a way that their partner can shine for them. Yeah, it's such a great point. So often our partners want to do well 
for us. They want to give us what we need. And, you know, a lot of the time, the reason they don't is because we're not explicit about the need. We have this idea that if our partner doesn't know what we want, then obviously they don't really care about us or they don't love us or something. Yeah, there's this idea out there in the zeitgeist that, oh, if somebody really loves me, they'll be able to read my mind. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's just not true. No, that's just not true. And even within a Myers-Briggs typology, there are certain personality types that appear like they can quote-unquote, do mind reading. And I will tell you, even with those types, their ability to mind read, it's always inferior to the actual person reporting from their own lived experience Mm. of of what they need uh, and what they want. Because you're very good at picking up on, you know, when I'm upset, you'll know that I'm, you know, feeling agitated about something, feeling overwhelmed, and probably have a guess as to what's going on, but it's not always... Right. And you might you might try try to help me in one way. That's not really what I'm wanting because I haven't explained it to you. And then I, you know, sort of can appreciate but it's not the best, not the best way. You are very good at that. And even still, it's always much better if I'm clear with what I need and what would actually be helpful. Yeah, for Hmm. sure. And I think it's okay to use your intuitions or your gut instinct to uh, be a gift in the sense of opening up the dialogue. Yeah. So you go, rather than waiting for the person to tell you they've got a problem and then what they need, you can say, hey, I can see that you're, you know, you seem to be a bit off. What do you need? Mm -hmm. What can I do? Mm. You seem stressed. And they might say, look, all day long, I've been thinking if I could just get away for an hour to do this thing, um which there's no way that you could have known that unless they they tell you. So I reckon that about covers it, unless you have anything else. I think so, yeah. I think so maybe as an action point, uh, as you go through your week this week, be aware of those times when what you're saying to your partner is is a criticism rather than a complaint. If you have a partner, of course. <laughs> of course. Or even at, in other contexts, you know, when you're even internally or, or outwardly, you're saying always or never statements and just see how it feels to turn around that into a complaint and mm. saying, and saying, when this happens, I feel this way. And then bringing bringing a solution or bringing like what you need in that situation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's great because for most of us, we weren't taught to take responsibility for our own emotions and needs and to ask for what we need. So thanks for listening today to Convergently Speaking. Hope you got something out of learning about the first of the four horsemen, criticism and its antidote, gentle startup. Remember, you can find us over on Instagram and Facebook if you want to leave any comments and leave an iTunes review. That would be great as well for for more people to find our podcast. And otherwise, we'll speak to you next time on Convergently Speaking. Stay curious.